welcome back to the What the Folk Sunland preview show. The World Cup is over, or might as well be if you're English, and <laughs> Sunland failed to replicate their excellent second half performance against Millwall as they lost 2-1 to West Brom on Monday night, which ensured that freezing cold weather is just a little bit harder, a little bit bitier this week, shall we say. But nonetheless, we do face a trip to Sunny Hull, hopefully, this coming Saturday, as we make our first visit to the, I believe, rebranded MKM Stadium since the COVID era. And to catch us up on the past couple of years, we have the excellent Ant from the award-winning Hull City podcast to Hull and back. How are you doing, mate? You all right? I am okay. It's very cold, um, but but I'm good. Thank you. I was going to say, like, first question I've got here is, how cold is it in Hull? Because it's minus eight here. I'm actually in Leeds, um, and I think we're one of the 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 very few places that hasn't seen snow yet. So um, I'm expecting that in the the next week or so. Yeah, I mean, understandably it's cold in Scotland, but I believe Sunderland is also minus eight. So you've got to come in, mate, and it's not nice. I'm going to be honest. Mm, um, yeah, I'm expecting it. Let's not get ourselves depressed before Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> um, We'll start from the top. Obviously, you returned to action following the World Cup break. We've been back a couple of weeks. You've been back one week with a lovely, a lovely nil-nil, which I'm sure is what everyone wanted. But it was at Watford, so you know how was the result? How was the performance? And how did you get on? Um, well, it, you won't obviously watch a lot of us this season, um, but I think you might well be aware that we have the worst defence in the country. Uh, we concede a lot of goals. I think it's something like, uh, on average, two goals a game, um, which is not sustainable. Uh, if that is, if if that's the pattern throughout the season, you'll get relegated. Obviously, unless you're scoring at least two or three every game as well. Uh, but obviously, we wasn't doing that either. So, Rimrazinia came in. The the the, uh, the the most important thing to sort out was the defence. Uh, you know, he's he's come in and he's promised, you know, we're going to play a, 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 a more attractive style of football. We're going to try and be, you know, short passing, play out from the back. Very risky. Uh, but, you know, he's all about the risk and reward kind of approach. And since he's come in, we have looked a lot more structured, a lot more um, organised. You know, there's there's an identity to the team now. Under Avaladze, we were a bit chaotic. It, you know, you couldn't really say that the players understood their roles or what they were meant to be doing. Um, but under Rosinia, you know, we're, we're, we look very organised. Um, his first game, I mean, sums it up, you know, we, we drew nil-nil at Millwall um, away and we had 10 men for the best part of an hour. So, you know, he's, he's showing that we can now keep clean sheets, that we can, you know, defend um, in, in tough circumstances. And, and, and Watford obviously are, you know, on paper probably got the best uh, squad in the league. They should be chasing automatic promotion. And uh, we were... I would say pretty much even throughout the entire game. Um, so to say that we're down in 20th place and we were we were mixing it up with, you know, a, a team littered with Premier League talent is is only a good sign. So um and, and Rizzini was saying that the, the the lads were quite disappointed they didn't win. So that's that's um speaks volumes about the character in the squad at the minute. Yeah, and I think looking at the stats, which is pretty much all you can go on, or I was gonna say quest highlights, it's not quest anymore, but people get what I mean. Mm. Um it looked really, really even. I think they had like three shots or two shots more I think shots on target were more or less the same possession all of the same and I know Watford haven't had the season they would probably want but they're a bloody good side um mm. yeah, yeah I 100% agree with you I think I know a lot of clubs went away and did like a mini pre-season in the World Cup kind of weeks that we were away but I noticed you probably played more games than most obviously we'll get into it a bit later on but you're owned by a Turkish consortium now I think obviously you went to Turkey for a couple of games got a load of one one draws essentially but did that help in ensuring that the players weren't like too rusty coming back yeah I think it was um perfect timing really for us this this um as, as controversial as World Cup was um for us this season it did us the world of good because it's it's tough enough coming in as a manager in the middle of a season when you know you can't really put your 
your you, you, you total stamp on a team and, and get your identity across because, you know, the championship Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday every week, you know, you've got no time, have you? Um, but this came at the, the perfect time for us. You know, we've got a couple of good results under Rosinia um, and then he got, you know, a month essentially to work with the team on, on the mistakes that we had defending set pieces, you know, uh, trying to learn his new style, letting him learn, you know, about the players of the squad, who can play where, um, what, what to expect, get his tactics across. So, um, we played two really good Turkish teams, to be fair, uh, for friendlies. We played um, Trabzonspor and um, Istanbul Basakir, is that how you pronounce it? We played them two, drew 1-1. Played very well in those two games. I know they're only friendlies and you can't really look too much into them. But, you know, like you say, they're, they're in the middle of the season. So, you know, we're both in in, in what would be your, your, your peak fitness. Um, so to come away with two draws against them was, was a positive. And it's looking like we're getting some of our crucial players back from injury, which has been a big problem this season because I think at one point our injury list hit about 14, 15 players. I, don't, I still don't think we've seen our strongest 11. Um, we've just been cursed with injuries this season. Um, so hopefully by January time, we should be looking more or less full strength. But um, for Sunderland, it might be a game too early or a couple of games too early for some. Um, but... They look, they look fit. They look ready. They look like um, the more organised, the confident. Um, uh, so I'm going into this game confident. And, and if you ever listen to any of my podcasts, um, I'm usually the, uh, the the pessimistic one. So something definitely is happening because if, if I'm expecting results, then you know something something must be going well. Yes, indeed. I don't know what I am at the minute because apparently I was thought I was pessimistic, but apparently if all my predictions on the podcast came right this season, we'll be third off top. So <laughs> yeah, I'm optimistic or just an idiot. Um, you touched on obviously the management change there. You know, there's I think a few clubs that have had it. You know, like ourselves, we've had a manager change as well. The difference being yours didn't run after Stokey, he ran after the job centre. Um, shot a rather lads I had from about January to September I think looking very basically at his record it might be one or two results wrong here but I think it was 1-9 drew 6 lost 15 in, in his tenure it doesn't seem the worst record ever but you've kind of alluded to something wasn't right there so what, what were the kind of reasons behind his departure and how did the whole fans feel when he went? Um, it's a strange one with Avaladzi really because um, you know obviously Grant McCannon was in charge Um at the time that the 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 um the takeover went through and there was a lot of rumors that the take you know sometimes it happens new owners come into a club and get rid of the current manager because they want to go totally different direction but McCann was actually pulling out some good results at the time which was the problem um so obviously we'd just beaten Blackburn who I think were second at the time and um uh, we beat Bournemouth away, who were top. So we beat the top two uh, in like the space of a week. And, you know, it looked like a really harsh sacking because then the takeover went through and then McCann was let go. And it was like, well, why are you letting him go when you're getting results out of the bag? But, you know, over the course of his whole city management career, he, he, we'd lose like 10 in a row and then maybe win two or three. So in the grand scale of things, it was probably deserved. But Avalanti came in and did very well with that squad, considering it didn't have much investment. Uh, the target last season was to stay up absolutely, and we did that quite comfortably in the end. Um, and we were we we were promised exciting attacking football. That's what the new owner wants. Um, I think he was famously quoted on Sky saying he'd rather lose three two than draw nil nil. Obviously, drawing nil nil gets you a point, um, and losing three two does not. But um, he, he, the point he's trying to make is that he wants an entertainment factor. He wants the fans to be able to come to the sta- uh, stadium and enjoy watching the team. Um, so when he brought Avaladzi in, we're thinking, right, so this is the guy that's going to do that. And we didn't see it, but we was reluctant to judge because it wasn't his team. So then it, summer came around and we thought, right, he's going to get his players in. 
Uh, and we're going to be, you know, at least mid-table, maybe playoff outsiders or something like that this season. Um, and we were worse than last season. We brought in 16, 17 players, massive plethora of attacking talent, international experience. Um, and we we were horrific. Um, you know, we started the season well. I think we were joint top of the table after five games. And after um, two of our main players, Aliar and Tete, got injured, we, we just fell off a cliff. Uh, started with the 5-2 loss at West Brom. And we just never recovered. I mean, even the, even in the, the games at the beginning where we won, we went particularly playing well. Do you know what I mean? We, we took our chances and we were quite fortunate to get those wins. But we just never looked like we had any cohesion. We didn't look like we had an identity. Uh, one game, we'd just have like no shots on target whatsoever. And we'd concede two or three and it was just dismal. It was so bad. And I think, you know, the, the nail on the coffin for Shotter, I think, was the Swansea game when we lost, I think it was 3-0. And... Um, we signed new signing Tobias Figueiredo, who won promotion with Forest last season. Is has been horrible uh, in defence for us this season. We want to play out from the back, and he just cannot do it. Um, I don't know if you've seen the clip uh, or if you watched it. I think it was on Sky, um, where Figueiredo um, just kind of gets taken out by our goalkeeper, and then the Swansea player just puts it into an open goal. That pretty much summed up the start to our season. And 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 Shotter, unfortunately, the writing was on the wall. Uh, we thought that he'd get rid of him before the international break. He didn't. And then he waited until after. And then he waited till the night before the looting game, the first game back, and then sacked him. You know, so you couldn't give your manager them two weeks to, to get with the team. It was very strange timing. Um, Dawson obviously came in for a bit. Uh, and now Rosini is in. And I, I think now they've, they've gone the right direction. I think he probably underestimated the championship a bit. Thought, you know, he could, he could bring Avaladze in and, a few uh, the top players from some of the top Turkish sides and and and, and expect that it just sort of all sort of, uh, just work and it just didn't and I think now he's realised that maybe he's got to get a bit of um, EFL know-how um, you know Rosini has been here before he's he's a bit of a cult hero here and uh, so he's brought that familiarity too he's instantly going to get backed by the fans so it's probably the right decision and and we are excited to be under him you know Rosini is very well thought of in the game. He's a very intelligent bloke. And when I listen to him and his, his press conferences, I mean, like I'd, I'd go to war for him. He's, I, I love, you know, usually you just, you listen to the same dross in manager interviews, listening to Rosinia is just so, you can tell he, he knows hundred percent what he's on about and he's so concise and clear. And yeah, it's a very exciting period. I'm hoping that he gets his first home win at Sunderland. Uh, obviously it's the 20th anniversary of the year. MKM stadium opening too. So hopefully all the omens are there for us. Um, I don't know if you guys were aware, but it's, it seems to all be falling in place. It's, it seems written in the stars for a nice, comfortable win, hopefully. Correct me if I'm wrong, but did we open the stadium? You did. It was a 1-0 win for us in a friendly, was it? I think it was a friendly, yeah. Yeah, I think so, because it was... I kind of half remember David Bellion playing, and I don't know why I remember that. <laughs> um, but weirdly, my memories just worked incredibly well. But yeah, I do remember us opening that, that literally, God, 20 years ago. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very weird how it's coincidentally ended up being Sunderland that were here for the 20th anniversary game when it was Sunderland that opened the stadium. It seems a bit... That's what I mean. It seems the stars are aligning for a, for a, for a good spectacle, hopefully. Hopefully for us, not for you. Um, <laughs> it's funny, I listened to the almost everything you said there, but once you mentioned Grant McCann, I kind of remembered how much he looks like Todd from Breaking Bad and kind of switched off for about <laughs> a minute. Because um, if anyone hasn't seen Breaking Bad, he basically is the same bloke. But um, you touched on transfers there. I looked through your squad, and I mean, I'm... 
I'm normally quite decent for known players and a lot of players that were in there just I did not recognise for, mm-hmm. for Hull, but I noticed a lot of went out as well, but probably not much point in speaking about it, but I'm going to speak about it, so I don't know why I've said that. Um, but we spoke to a Millwall fan two weeks ago about George Honeyman and what they brought, but I think George Honeyman was very Marmite at Sunderland. He definitely didn't feel like that at Hull. He felt like he was he was really loved and Obviously, I think there's what sounded like a contract dispute sort of um, yeah. rumbling on during the summer. Were Hull fans disappointed to lose, George? It was a surprise because it seemed to come out of nowhere. Um, Honeyman had been our, easily our best player for two years. Um, the, the League One season, he was outstanding. And the first season back in the Championship, you know, we we didn't really start getting positive results until he was back in the side because he missed the first, I think it was a couple of months with an injury he got towards the end of the season. Um, and he was just, he was our main and well, probably only creative spark in the side. And the guy could, um, probably run a London marathon every day, uh, and, and, and still go home and, and be able to do, you know, jump on treadmill. He was just, he was, he was an absolute dynamo. Um, and he was loved by the fans. He was, he was, he was, he was brilliant player. First season, I think they played him out of position a bit. We didn't, you know, he was a bit, he looked out of his depth, but then that league one season did him the world of good. Um, but obviously with the new ownership and that, there were a, there were a few murmurs that a couple of the players were obviously, you know, aware of the club, the direction the club was going to go in and, you know, a bit of an upheaval in the, the terms of the squad and whatnot. And, um, Honeyman was rumoured to be one of those who wasn't a big fan of, you know, sticking around. Whether or not that's true, obviously that's all speculation. But um, then it comes around to obviously the contract talks and, and, and everything like that. And with him being a bit hesitant to sign and stay on, I, I personally think it was just because you know, he was a guaranteed starter every week. And I think he knew that he wasn't going to be um, this season. So probably took his chances at being a first starter, at, you know, somewhere else, which as a football player, you know, it's a short career. If you're going to be guaranteed first team football somewhere else, you're going to do it, aren't you? So I can't sort of blame him. Um, I do think that we would be uh, in a far better situation this season had he stayed because um, we have missed that. Um, we've got a, a very large George Honeyman shaped hole in midfield this season. And um, he, he seems to have an, it seems to be having a bit of an inconsistent start at Millwall. Um, I don't, I, I don't know if the, I know he started well. I don't know, I don't know how he's doing at the minute. But you know, he's, he's we, we do miss him. Um, but there's no nobody really holds it, holds it against him. Um, you know, wish him well for the future, really. Yeah, yeah, same here. I think he was one of those players that got better the longer his hair grew. So we got like Sam. Yeah, yeah. Um, you touched on Rosinia. I think from the outside looking in, I'm not going to lie. I was a bit like, oh, like a coach that's never really managed before outside of a couple mm. of games at at, at um, Derby. Yes, he's he's well looked at and yada 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 and so on and so forth. And then I thought, well, he's played for Hull. He's obviously got some kind of connection with them. You touched on it a little bit, but. Looking at obviously the whole podcast and the whole fans that I follow, they were really positive about it. Has that got anything to do with his his playing career at all? Is he kind of just a well liked bloke alongside all the things he said before? I think it's 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 a mixture of all of it, really. Obviously, um, being a popular player here and and being a successful player here will have a, a large part to do with how the fans take to any sort of appointment in that sense. But um, in the grander scheme of things, um, Rosini is. Largely credited for um, a lot of what good Derby did last season alongside Rooney, you know, the, considering the, the the circumstances they found them in, themselves in, that um, they did very well considering. And, um, you know, Rooney's said a lot of good things about Rosini, saying that, you know, a lot of it was him behind the scenes uh, taking his advice and his, his, his 
coaching skills on board too. And he's very good with the young players as well. You know, Dabby had a lot of youngsters in that side uh, and a lot of them have, have, you know, done very well. A couple of them got good moves to Premier League clubs and stuff. And and then you listen to, you know, pundits, um, coaches from other teams. Nobody says a bad word about him. And that only means one thing. That means that the guy is good. Um, and, you know, he's, he's, if he's a well-liked character and he's well-respected, it means that, you know, especially so early, like this, like you said, this is his first, um, obviously Dab is his first permanent job, but he, he sort of inherited it because Rooney left, whereas this is his first appointment. Um, it's, it seems the perfect setting for him to do it because, you know, like you say, he's not being chucked in the deep end in, in League Two or, you know, the National League and having to work his way up. He's he's in a familiar environment um, with, you know, probably some staff that he still remembers and whatnot and an area he recognises, fans that still take to him and will probably give him a bit more patience than they would a different manager. Um, so I just think that there's a, there's that coupled alongside with the fact that we're going in a bit more of an ambitious new era with the new ownership and that, and, and we've got grand plans and, and, you know, hopefully success on the horizon in the next few years that, you know, this could be the start of that. It feels, it does genuinely feel like this is that moment. Now the shorter appointment was a bit, cause it was strange. I think th- this more or less feels like this is it now. This is where it begins. Um, and we're, we're, we're just, it's just happy. The club's it's been so toxic for so long. We're just all actually genuinely happy for once. And it's um it's a good feeling. Fans are back in the stadium too. Uh we were averaging nine or eight thousand a game at one point under the alarms and um, you know, when it were going horribly wrong and boycotting and protests. And uh, I think um already um we're at eighty, seventy, sixteen, seventeen thousand average at the minute. So it's it's crept up, it's doubled, more than doubled. So hopefully those attendances keep climbing throughout the next couple of years and we get back to about 20,000. But like I say, yeah, so Rosini's appointment just seems to be perfect time, perfect place. Um, and and if he's going to start a, a very well, uh, a very good career, I'm hoping that it, he starts it well here. It certainly seemed, I said before, it was maybe kind of seemed outlandish because of the fact he hadn't had much experience yet. He had, mm. he had a, um, and I was looking from a very much an outside perspective, but I suppose when you compare it to the other lads, their appointment, it, it's much more sensible, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, the bookies um, leading up to, you know, well, after Shotter's sacking was, you know, it was very easy journalism just to stick, you know, like the, the Besiktas manager on and anybody that were in the Turkish leagues, and even the Turkish national team manager was on there, I think, at one point. And it, it was very easy to do that. And then you had your obvious candidates like Rob Edwards that had just lost his job at Watford and, and um, Carlos Corbran, who had been sacked from Olympiacos, there was them names floating about. But, you know, there was the, is he going to go for EFL experience? Is he going to go for a, for, for another foreigner? And, and in the end, he went with a bit more of the, the, the former, but, you know, he hasn't really got much EFL management experience either. So he, he, in the end, he probably went with neither. And he's gone with the, uh, like you say, quite a outside-the-box appointment, but, you know, every good young coach has to start somewhere. Um, and I'm hoping that, you know, Rosini's career starts very well and that's with us and leading us in a, into at least the top half of the championship. Touched a little bit on the the ownership and I'll be honest, it was obviously in the previous preview shows that I've done with Hull fans, the ownership was always a topic of conversation. The, um, the plus point from this is probably the fact that, you know, you said everyone seems happy and I think, We've all sort of been there at points. I remember some ownerships I've been comfortable and confident with, and then it's all gone to absolute crap. Um, sometimes it's been absolutely fine. It's been all right. But for where you stand right now, I think, you know, the come up, I think, a year since they they bought the club. So it's a good amount of time when you can make some 
roundabout judgments, if not complete judgment. It seems to be going quite well. It seems like they're saying the right sort of things. Is the fan base happy with the guy that's took over and the consortium that's took over? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Ajin is a guy who um, has been described as the Turkish Simon Cowell. He's a bit of a showman. He likes to do stuff. He's very generous. He's very um, social media active. He's one of these managers, owners who, who likes to be um, very giving in terms of his personality. Um the thing is with Adjin is sometimes you listen to owners when they're taking over clubs that have got these huge dreams and saying that they're going to do this and that. And you listen to them and you're thinking, I just don't hear you being sincere. I can't sense that that truth in your voice. From the moment he's been interviewed uh, in regards to this club and the way he describes the city and, and how he loves the people and the place itself. And it just seemed like he he meant it. So... The moment he came in and then he actually started backing up his claims, you know, like, um, I don't know if you saw, but um, during the, the World Cup break, um, he paid for 300 um, City fans to go on a five-star holiday, all expenses paid, to Turkey. I did um, I Yeah, did so that. obviously, um, I don't think that's ever been done in football. Uh, you can tell me if I'm wrong. I, I can't remember it off the top of my head if it has been done, but that is think- just ludicrous. I think I'd be a whole fan for that for like a weekend. Yeah. 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 yeah that's just, a whole. Yeah. That's a whole. Yeah. Yeah. Nice five star trip to Antalya. You got full <laughs> access to, they did like Q and A sessions in the, in uh-huh. the, in the hotel with um, himself and Rosinia and yeah, some people on the same plane as the, um, the, the team. So you were kind of, kind of mingling with the players and um, you got access to the training. You could go watch the friendlies, you know, like I said, all your drinks and your food were paid for. So it's, it, you know, very, very generous. Amazing. Something that, you know, unfortunately under the previous regime was was an absolute pipe dream but um yeah at the moment he's doing just he's 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 definitely doing all, and saying all the right things like we say i think he's maybe learning a bit now about maybe turning down the social media side of things a bit um obviously when we were trying to hire a avalad's replacement he was very um public with his talks with pedro martins um and picturing him at the, at the stadium watching um the previous game and things like that basically announcing it but unofficially and then obviously that fell through so he had a bit of egg on his face and then the Rosinia one there was nothing like from anywhere uh, uh, it sort of came out the blue so I think he is he's learning um maybe to not advertise his um current candidate so they could get a better offer somewhere else and um but no I mean I think a, a good example I used on the um, Watford podcast I went on last week um there was a fan that had, um, obviously when the takeover went through, a lot of City fans put Turkish flags in like their Twitter names and things like that to show support, thank, gratitude. Um, and somebody had a, a, a Turkey flag in the name and, and said, uh, put a comment underneath the announcement uh, for the takeover. And he replied to it and he said something like, I'm going to come visit you. And he did. He genuinely did. Like the, 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 this guy flies in on his private jet. Um, to one beside airport comes to all and just nips around to this fan's house and just sits in his garden and has a drink with him and chats about city and, and what they're going to do. And like the club did a real nice video for it and, and everything like that. I'll try and send you it. Um, but it's what I mean. Like he's just do, he's doing things that help the fans feel like they're involved and that they're genuinely appreciated. And I think that's what every fan wants um, of every club, especially if, you know, decisions are being made. You want the fans to be the forefront of that. You know, if I do this, are the fans going to like it? Is this going to negatively, you know, have repercussions? That's what he's thinking. And um, maybe he's been a bit rash in the transfer market. He maybe should have spread it out across a couple. But 
you know, as fans, we're, we're watching transfer windows. If you're signing 15, 16 players, you're not complaining, are you? Let's be honest. <laughs> I remember, um, not, to, not to terrify you here, but I remember being really excited about spending four million on Will Grigg. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, we've all been there. Jimmy Bullard for us. Oh, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully for your sake, it doesn't go the way ours went, which was not very good. Um, yeah. Touching on... The atmosphere obviously is good. You can see, obviously, you're smiling as you're speaking. Obviously, there's no audio podcast, but you've got a big smile on your face as you're discussing that. Where things always go south with everything is results. Mm. Um, Rosinius had a, a, a solid start. One, one, drew two, lost one. However, I normally go back like five games and I, and I look at the results and stuff like that. And I thought, yeah, pretty solid, not too bad. Then I start looking at your home form. Mm. And oh, my God. Um, very bad at home. You've lost seven of your last eight after winning three of your first four. Um, our home form is not great, but that's pretty bad. Yeah, was we're that, shocking was... at home this season. I, I, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if it's... <clears throat> I mean, I think probably from a tactical perspective, I think we're more suited to being the away team. Um, we're very good on the counter. So, you know, I, I would say we're good at absorbing pressure, but, you know, we've conceded a lot, so we're obviously not. Um, but we're good on the counter. And I think at home, obviously, you're expected to be on the front foot, are you? And when teams come here and if, if, if they're maybe a bit more reserved and they sit back, I think we lack, at the moment, definitely, um, that understanding, you know, there's not enough partnerships on the pitch that we've, we've got those sort of... Um, telekinetic understanding of, of where players are to break these teams down. Um, we're very predictable at home and I think it's easy to frustrate us. Um, we're very bad at defending set pieces, uh, you know, and all the way teams come here, score corners or free kicks. Um, and, and, and once we go one down, we usually don't recover is the problem. And um, I'm, I'm thinking that it'll change because um, with Rosini's appointment now, um, I think if we went one one behind or anything like that, I think the, the stadium would still be, you know, trying to back the lads and getting behind them. Whereas under Avaladzi, you know, we were watching really, really grim football and we were getting battered every week. So as soon as you went 1-0 down, the atmosphere fell flat. Um, so, yes, we are very poor at home this season. <laughs> we're, we're, we're unbeaten in five away games, I think it is, but we just can't buy a win at home. I think that the the when we get that win, I think it'll change. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's bad viewing at the minute. It's it's tough to predict us to win at home at the minute. But you know, new era, new manager. Let's 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 hope it's it's turned a new page. Yeah, I mean, looking just to warn Sunderland fans on that thing and like rubbing our hands together. I don't think we don't think we ever do that. To be fair, but um, those games are mainly in the awful lads era, which is obviously a different setup, a different team, different tactics, but hopefully you drop back into the awful lads um, form mm. just for, for one random Saturday. That'd be great. Thanks. Um, <laughs> I think obviously from, from our perspective, uh, you touched on injuries before. I think it's Demetrius Pelkas has been one of your sort of better players this season, but he's ruled out for three months. If you were yeah. to pick out one or two players that are in good form for her at the moment and could cause us problems, who would it be? I think Oscar Estepinion's back for our game. Um, I believe he is. So obviously he's our top scorer. He's on eight goals. It sounds better than it is that. I'm going to be a bit controversial here as a City fan. Yes, he scored eight goals, but I think he's only scored them in three or four games. 
Um, so you know he's not he's not really spread them out. I think he scored a hat trick, um, and a few braces or something like that. But you know he don't he don't he tends to score in in the same games. But he would be one because I think now that he's you know he's had probably about two months off now. I think he had a free game suspension and obviously the month off that we've just had. So he he should be ready and wearing to go. Um, Jacob Greaves um, is our not so secret superstar at the minute. Um, not obviously in an offensive threat. Well, then again, I say that he's had a few assists. He's a bit like um, we're deploying him in the Dan Byrne um, left back role this season. Obviously, he's a big guy, he's six four, I think. Um, he's usually a ball playing left center half, but um, they've been playing him in left back, and it's strangely worked. Um, he's very mobile for a big guy. He's very good with the ball at his feet, and he's he's put some cracking crosses in. Um, Finally got his first goal, which um, City fans probably about 9,000 every week had put him on to be first goal scorer just because he'd never scored. And he finally did it a few weeks ago. So hopefully he's, he's back amongst, uh, well, going to start a goal run. Um, so he's another one. He's, he's a fantastic player. He'll be a Premier League player in two or three years. Um, and I would also say um, Regan Slater is one of the most underrated midfielders in this league. Um, and I don't think many people will have known slash heard of him. Mr. Consistent every week, at least seven or eight out of 10. Tenacity, um, work rate, application, goal threat, creativity, nappy to track back and do the dirty work. He's got a bit of everything. Um, I don't think teams focus on him because, like I say, they don't expect him to be that kind of player. Uh, but he's, he's come to the forefront this season, I think, for us at the minute. And he's, he's, he's definitely my player of the season so far. Um, I'm trying to think. And obviously, Sari. Uh, John Michael Sari, I have no idea how we even convinced him to sign Hull City, um, but he's there. Uh, the the maestro in the midfield, he obviously won the league with Fulham last season, almost signed for Barcelona at one point in his career, uh, and now he's pulling strings for Hull City. So um, he, he sort of sits deep in front of the back four, um, and he's just so comfortable on the ball. You know, he, he, second nature to like, you know, he's very good with the ball in a tight space. Um, he's very good at pulling your know, midfielder to out of position to press him and then getting in behind him with a pass. He can take two or three players out of the game. So yeah, I'd, I'd keep an eye on those three, uh, Slater, Sari and, and, and Greaves. Oh, um, Est opinion, four, sorry. Yeah. Wish there was less, but you know, nonetheless. Four is <laughs> better than 11, I guess. Um, True. On the flip side, obviously, we're hoping Ross Stewart's going to be back on on Saturday, I think I speak for a lot of people here when I say I think he's our best player. Obviously, there'll be one or two people who disagree with it. Um but he'll probably start on the bench if anyway. From what you've seen of us so far, we've been on Sky quite a bit, um, which I suppose is a benefit for this podcast, but not for the fans. Um, which of the players that you've been most impressed by and where do you feel like we could damage you in particular? Um, I mean, if you've got height in your team and you've got a good set-piece taker, um, you're already at an advantage because, like I said, we're, we're very poor at defending set-pieces. Hopefully that's been worked on the last month or so. We've had um, 94 corners this season and scored none. Oh, right. So that's okay then. <laughs> You'll be fine. You'll that, be yeah. be no, fine. Well, say that we're a very, we're a charitable <laughs> club. So we'll probably give you your first two set piece goals. Um, yeah. Set pieces we're very bad at. So if you've got someone with a bit of height on them that, that can, that can score with a noggin, you know, they'll always be a threat. Um, but I, I have, I think I watched, I remember watching the game. Was it when you dismantled Reading three nil and you had no recognized striker on the pitch. And I think, I remember watching um, Clark and Roberts that game and just thinking, God, these two, did they seem like those luxury players that, you know, maybe don't do much of the defensive work, but have just got moments of magic in them that will win the game. 
and I and I'm, I'm I'm thinking about maybe facing up against one or two of those, even Diallo, um, if he's playing. It's just you know we we have the tendency to switch off at the back, and I just feel like these players have the quality to 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 really punish us if we do. Um, obviously, I'd have said Ross Stewart. I think he's a phenomenal player. I think he's probably one of the best strikers in the league already. And you've only just come up. Um, but like you say, you, he's expected to be benched. But any of you wingers at the minute, I think, are the danger for us. I think obviously Greaves is a big guy, but if you've got pace that can get in behind him, then he'll probably struggle in that sense. Um, possibly maybe play Fleming instead just to kind of counter that, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, your wingers definitely. I think Jack Clark, um, he, I remember him playing against us for Leeds um, when he was just breaking through in, in, into their team. And I remember watching him and going, do you know what? He's, he's, he's bloody good him. And he did one of those probably far too early moves to the Premier League and, and, and festered mm-hmm. for a little bit, didn't he? And, but he looks like he's getting back on track. So yeah, I'm going to say Clark, Roberts slash Diallo, whoever plays on that, those wing side, they're going to be um, crucial if you're going to try and beat us. Yeah, love them all. Apart from Jack on Monday, but if you're listening, Jack, it was on, it's just a one-off. <laughs> <laughs> Please be better than you were on Monday. Um, you've been great. Was he played as like a wing back or a left back or something? I just don't think he played at all. God knows. Oh, yeah, um, one of those games. Yeah, I think it was like a left wing, but it, yeah, it, it didn't work. It didn't mm. work. Um, but to be fair, he's maybe one of two bad games he's had this season. He's been he's been fine. But um, my prediction, I almost thought I had my second prediction right for the season. Um, and last week's show by saying one one against West Brom. Mm. And then, uh, DK, yeah, yeah, not what I call him <laughs> when he scored. I'm not gonna lie. Um, but yeah, that, yeah, that didn't happen. So I'll try again to get it right. Probably won't. I'm just gonna chuck a score out there with no thought behind it. 2 0 Sunderland. There we go. It could happen. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I always predict us to lose, usually. Um, <laughs> we are at home, we're quite poor. Um, but considering we just had our month off, got a nice result at Watford. I'm going to try and keep the positive trend going. I'm going to say I would take a point, to be fair. Um, I would take a point. I'm going to go 1-1. It's 1-1. 1-1, was it? I'd one, be fine one. with a 1-1. Yeah, I'd be fine with a 1-1 as well. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think we've got two clean sheets in a row in us. <laughs> I mean, my 2-0 came from nothing. I just thought of a score and said it. Um and I'm never right, so it's not going to be 2-0. Don't put your money on 2-0. I'll never get it right. But um, <laughs> And as I said before, you you are an award-winning podcast. Um, something I, I will never fucking be. Uh, <laughs> but where can we find you if we want to listen to you? Uh, don't say that, by the way, because we've only been going since December 2020. And we are, are more surprised than anybody else that, that, that we managed to take anything from the Football Content Awards. I mean... Um, we literally asked people to vote for us on the on the, the fact that we could. Um, and then when we made the final eight, it was like, that's it. That's the pinnacle for us. Uh, just attending the <laughs> ceremony was 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 everything. Me, me and uh, one, of, one of the other lads from the pod, we went. Uh, my mum and my nana came to support us. So that were nice. Uh, we, we came and um, sat, on the, sat on the table surrounded by people like Robbie from Arsenal Fans TV. There was Dean Windass there. You know, Fabrizio Romano's up for a, a award at the same place. And it's, you know, you sat there and you're just thinking, what on earth are we doing here? And so uh, somehow took bronze in the, the EFL podcast category. So like I say, we never expected to. So just, you know, you, you might do eventually. We might see you there next year. We'll, we'll retweet it for you. We'll vote I'd, for you. 
I don't even think I take bronze in the Sunland podcast, mate. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, you can find us. We're, we're on all the usual um, audio streaming services: your, your Apple, um, Spotify, all the other ones, and uh, we're on YouTube. Uh, we do opposition previews every week too. Uh, we do normal episodes. We've just done them. Um, we do player interviews too. We've just had former Sunderland player David Myler on tonight. Um, that was a good episode. I enjoyed watching that. Um, so, if anybody. Um, it does, doesn't dislike Hull City that much that you'd like to nip over and give us a subscribe that'd be absolutely beautiful for us um, but yeah, like I say, you can find us pretty much on anywhere that you'd expect uh, we appreciate any support that we get from anybody. And just to end the podcast, the friendship has gone 2-0 up the bastards. Thank you for listening as oh. always. <laughs>